You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan at the bottom of the hour. Justin Bourne, NHL and Sportsnet analyst, co-host Real Kipper and Bourne, over on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And at 8 o'clock, John Morosi, reporter, NHL, MLB Network. Um, we tackled a, a ton of topics in the 6 o'clock hour. There's lots going on there. Uh, Maddie can throw 35 from a mound, apparently. GVP At can least. throw the heat. Um, hats don't fit us properly. Patrick's, Patrick's pared down his hat collection. Mm-hmm. A lot what of topics. Trying to think what else we tackled. Pensacola Blue Wahoos rent their home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm right. Do that. Yep. Um, the importance of FIBA basketball. <laughs> yeah. So now we ha- I have a little bit of clarity because uh, we were trying to discuss with our listeners because you know I like to be I like to be right about the sports. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, yeah my takes are terrible but just like the actual information. <laughs> um. Canada needs to finish in the top two in the Americas. Okay. That's... To book their place to the Olympics. So they just got to be like second best to the Americans is what you're saying. That Yes. It's going to be tough. That's yeah. going to be tough. You loop in the South American group in there and the Dominican are a good group. Puerto Rico's a good group as well. Venezuela. Like, eh, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. But this is, this is going to be Canada's best opportunity to do it. And uh, even so, like, like, who knows who they'll have available in a qualifier next year if they're going to have more NBA talent. I know that's tough at the end of an NBA well, season. Yeah, well, not having Jamal Murray sucks. Yeah, ha- not having Jamal Murray here is is absolutely just devastating to this group. But guys want to play. Yeah, but this is, is good. Exactly. I, I, the, 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 the atmosphere around Canada basketball has changed, obviously. Yeah. And, of course, we've seen it's with this young group like Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks, Dylan yeah. Brooks, sorry, RJ, Bro- RJ Barrett, Dwight Powell, Kelly Olenek, Shea Gilgis, Nikhil Alexander. They're related, I believe, Shea Gilgis and Nikhil Alexander. Yeah, they're cousins. Yeah, they're cousins. Okay. Yeah. Like, the other thing, too, with Jamal Murray is, like, he did go on a championship yeah. run. And yeah, he yeah, also yeah, yeah. was no, no, coming off. Chance to get going pretty, another one, And too. he was coming off but, a serious injury going into the season. Very, very serious. Yeah. But, again, like, this is, it's refreshing that these guys want to play for Canada. Mm-hmm. Yes, Like, exactly. that's the biggest thing. So here's in the Americas, Canada, USA, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Venezuela. Mm. So Canada should be able to finish in the top two behind the U- the USA. Like I didn't, I don't like Brazil. Obviously, hasn't seen the the their NBA talent has kind of shriveled up here. I guess in the last few years, they haven't seen so much NBA guys going with them. But like this is what you get with the FIBA. There's so many unknown players that they've been playing their style of basketball. This is not an NBA style of game. This mm-hmm. is a totally different style of basketball that. The NBAers might have a little bit tougher time, but again, I, I'm assuming natural talent and everything will take over. But there are going to be some tough games in this. It's just like a, you you think of it with, with, the, with the World Cup or or with the Soccer World Cup. There's going to be countries that you come across like, hey, what have these guys been doing down here? We think you know they are they aren't doing much, but then they come out and they surprise you. Yeah, it's a big um, tournament. It's a massive like. There's a lot of teams in this. Obviously, like it's not just like the 12 best, the 16. Like, basketball is a global game, and there's so many good countries now. Yeah, and Canada and France about to tip it off in about uh, 14 minutes. Fifth ranked in the world, France. On Sportsnet. 
Oh, so, no um, Nothing to worry about. <laughs> no, big deal. Um, and Rudy Gobert, uh, patient zero when it comes to COVID. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Um, he started so it all. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. That was a scary day. Yeah, when the, when the league shut down. Leafs yeah, and like the last down. NHL game was the Jets and Oilers, and the Jets and Oilers shut down, and like everybody, well, what are we oh. doing now, guys? All right. <laughs> I remember Once that. the NBA shut it down, that was it. Yep, literally. Not just for sports, just full stop. But yeah. everyone was like, oh, okay. Maybe <laughs> yep. we got to pay attention to this. Yeah. A lot of lessons learned, hopefully, from uh, three years ago. <laughs> um, we talked about uh, poorly timed weddings. Yes. When it comes to the sporting calendar mm-hmm. in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, got a couple great ones here at 960, 960. Please put your name and location so I can give you the uh, the credit. Um, went to a wedding during the Connor McDavid lottery draft. Half the wedding was Oilers fans, and the other half was Flames fans. Most Flame fans uh, left and got drunk in the parking lot for the rest of the wedding after the Oilers won the lottery. I still, like I've said this before on the show, like it's one of my like most jarring sports moments, and I will never forget it because it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, gosh, that's too bad, and then it slowly starts to set in as to what is actually starting to happen, and now every time he goes off against the Flames, there's that one day that I think of that I'm like, man, if only. You remember when we were talking to Dave Dickinson earlier this week about like the crossroads in your career? Maybe that was last week. Was that yeah, last no, it was, it was it was ahead of like if if Jeff didn't go to the NFL, yeah, I was probably yeah. going to leave the stamps. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah. And uh, that day feels like one. Not that it was my choice. No, it but felt there like was like, a there was a divergence from the path. There things yep. changed. Yeah, they were no longer the tread on me. Oilers. Lol, Oilers. Yeah, and I miss those days. Were sour. They didn't win that lottery. Yeah. Hey, at least they got Jack Eichel, and that worked out well for him. Yeah. Mm. Hey, they got rid of Jack Eichel, who was a uh, was a was a spot mark, not a great mark on that Buffalo franchise. I, he disrespected yep. them. Get rid of Jack Eichel. That was the best thing they did, and the Sabers are better for it. Right, and then uh, he was a Eichel wins a cup. Of their and then Eichel has a ring. So, okay. <laughs> Eichel wins a cup. Yeah, okay. yeah, very big part of that yes. team as well. Yeah, massive. Part. One just a passenger. Um, one, one, of the, one of the biggest reasons why. Um, okay, um, got this text I want to share. It's fantastic. Got asked to be the best man for a hockey acquaintance, and I was so shocked. I didn't even know what to say, so guess what I said? Obviously said yes. Anyway, fast forward, Maddie, to June 5th, 2004. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I'm in Winnipeg and considering booking a flight home in between the wedding and the reception, but didn't go through with it, and su- and it su- and I sucked it up. He moved to Manitoba, and I don't think I've seen him since. Hashtag just say no. Hashtag it was in. That um, that's exceptionally unfortunate. Also, like, t- <laughs> it's partly his own fault. Yes, but when someone has to, when you're asked to be the best man at a wedding, it's like we're not even that close. Like, what? What do you? Where are we? Where are we coming from here? (laughs) I would feel so bad because now I'm like, oh, do you really not have anyone who's a closer friend than me? Oh man, now what? One of my buddies, uh, shout out to my man Vito. Um, we call him the mayor amongst my friends Mm. because he like he runs like a hockey league and he and he plays in a golf league, so he knows a lot of people. A lot of people, right? And uh, we call him the mayor because every time we're out, he runs into somebody he knows. 
he like he gets constantly asked to be in like wedding parties. I'm like, you're not even close to these people. Just tell them no. <laughs> like, why are you involved? Like, you don't even know this person. Like, <laughs> like, it's not like you brought out, you know, your buddy Steve from the hockey team to come drinking with us. You've never done that. No. Like, just you're too polite. Just say no. Like, we're not that close. I don't feel just I don't feel comfortable doing this. Just say that. I guess, but like you're also treating a wedding like a big old chore. And frankly, I love weddings. Like there are arguably some of the best parties I've ever been to have been oh, at weddings. No question. But when you're suckered into being in the wedding party, when you're really not that close to somebody, like you just got to say no. Yeah, I it's guess. Just, here, here's an example. Here's an example. GVP and I work together. Mm-hmm. We're work colleagues. We've even been golfing a few times. If mm-hmm. GVP asked me to be in his wedding party, I'm like, what? I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're like, friendly, but we're not that close. I guess, and you're definitely not going to be that close after you politely say no. But Yeah, but still, it's weird. Uh, I guess. Just say no. Well, what if like you're implying that other people have the same relationship with all their friends as you? Like maybe they're not as close with their friends. Like a lot of people, there's like a I was reading a story just last week on how like male friendship is going down. Mm-hmm. Budweiser reached out to me and they were like, "Hey, we have these Bud beers because male friendship is going down. And you have to post pictures of them and all this stuff." And I was like, "No thanks." And then but I it's caught like dead a, drinking a Bud. But yeah, anyway, continue. Yeah, buddy, craft beer only. But um um, still, nevertheless, it was one of those things yeah, that's it. where it was like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not, it's, I would do it. I would say yes, because I think I know, that, because that is a kind of person because you that are. is a polite thing to do. Because you're too nice. I'm not but too nice. Be- I am the proper amount of nice. I am a good amount of nice. You <laughs> are not nice enough, I would argue. Hmm. Huh. How about that? Yeah. I, again, like. And you're right, because some people just don't have too many friends, and it's sad that they live that life. Yeah. I feel bad for those people. But I'm not here to fill your friend void for just one event. Also, like, and it's two nights of your summer. You, maximum. You're going to have your bachelor party, and you're going to have your wedding. Yeah, and also you're spending all this extra money on somebody you're, quite frankly, not that close to. How much money are you spending? <laughs> Well, what you if you get, get to go a on gift? a great trip? Well, I, I don't have to right? get a great gift. What if I get a sentimental gift? I have a sentimental gift for from okay, the bachelor all, party I was just at. The only acceptable wedding gift is straight cash, homie. Second of all, mm-hmm. um, if you're asked to be in a wedding party that you're not that close, like that's just it sucks for you because you don't have that connection with the person. You have to stand up there and represent them when you're really not that close to them. And like I said, you just said it, the bachelor party, you got to be a part of the bachelor party. You got to go out. You got to spend some money, like all of this for somebody you're really not that close to. You make it sound like bachelor parties are a chore. Like, don't it is when you don't know the person really, and you have to be in the wedding party. I disagree. I like being out. I like meeting new people. I like meeting fun people. I like drinking. I like partying. Nothing about running a, like being invited to a bachelor party sounds like a bad thing to me. Unless there are people I genuinely did not like. Yeah. Okay. I just think hanging out with people is a fun time, fun thing to do. Okay. I'm just saying it's awkward that. And also, like, how often does this happen? Where like you're not even that close to that person. You're just an acquaintance, and then you have to represent them at their biggest day. I think it's weird.
That's all. And my buddy Vito's the prime example of a guy who says yes way too many times to people he's not even that close with. And after said wedding, much like our dude in Winnipeg, you don't hear from him after. They're just using you to show that they actually have friends when they really don't. Yeah, like, here's the thing, too. Like, if they're asking me to go on, like, a destination wedding, then I'm probably not. But if it's just okay. going to be in my backyard, like, if it's going to be around town, it's going to be out in Banff, yeah, I'll do it. Sure, no problem. Okay. All right. I like weddings. I love weddings. Uh, listen, I'm a big fan. I like to get I like to get after it at a wedding. It's just being a part of a wedding when you're not really that close to the bride and or groom, I think it's weird and it's selfish on their part. I just how often does this I don't happen think it happens to, a how lot. How often does this like, happen? Usually it happens a lot are, to people. Really? No. It does. Huh. No. Yes it does. No. It happens. Have you been part of a wedding party? You've uh, never really yeah. know the part person. Yeah, nine six zero. I want to hear about it if you were. I'm because... going to ask our next guest that Justin Bourne, right off the hop. I've done shows with him. I know him. I'm going to ask. See, him that like question Justin Bourne is a little different. He's got a little bit of clout. He's got one of those guys that people are like, "Why wouldn't?" Well, if, like, if we got an it's extra handsome. spot in my bridal party or my wedding party because my better half has. Like eight people in her group, and I only have six. Why wouldn't I invite the dude that's super cloudy and cool hang, great party? Reminds me, sure. Reminds, have you ever seen the movie I Love You, Man? Yeah. Reminds me of Paul yeah. Rudd's wedding party. Yeah. Where you got yeah. Lou Ferrigno, just, just randoms. The senior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything you got. Everything you got. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good film. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Latest on the men, Jay. Okay, uh, we'll talk to Justin Moore next. <laughs> Lots to... Uh... I'll see you another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> slap of the bass. Slap of the slap bass. Slap of the bass. Slap of the bass, man! <laughs> um, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, people are getting fired up over this. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting it. Steven Mahogany, thank you. Have you checked on a USA basketball roster? I haven't, actually. Yeah. I'm going to look at it. They're talking about Anthony Edwards a lot, and I was like, I don't really know who that is. He was in... So, uh, uh, Anthony yeah. Edwards is really good. Sure. Minnesota back guard. Yeah. Shooting guard. Really mm. good player. Excellent. Tyrese Halliburton. They got some young... They got some... Not a lot. Paolo Bonchero, last year's first overall pick. Mikhail Bridges. Galen Brunson. Those are names Brandon that I Ingram, Jaren Jer- yeah. Jackson Jr., yeah. Bobby yeah. Portis. There's some good group there. Dominican as Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, yeah, see that. He's because he's these origins go back to the Dominican. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Much like Fred, how Freddie Freeman plays for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. Which is very respectable. I believe his mom's from Dominican do and Cat lost his mom actually not too long ago. Who in this yeah. tournament would Mom have... and Dad to both COVID. Yes. Who it's in this sad. who in this tournament would have had the like most votes for an MVP as runner-up. Luka Doncic? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Like, you got to go down the list. Yeah. All right, we got to get to Bourne. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we got to ask him about the wedding party thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, it's the big show. Russ and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, at the top of the hour. MLB NHL Network's John Morosi. Bad, bad news when it comes to Shohei Otani and his pitching elbow. And we'll talk about the Blue Jays losing that series in Baltimore against the Orioles as they kick off a series against Cleveland tonight. But uh, some big news 
Austin Matthews re-upping his deal. What's the latest on William Nylander? What does this all mean for Elias Lindholm? We'll get to all of that with our next guest, Justin Bourne, co-host of Real Kipper and Bourne over on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. He's also an NHL on Sportsnet analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. we got to ask him the pressing question first. Justin, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well yourself. We're good. Uh, okay, so I have to ask you. Um, we've had this discussion on being asked uh, to be in a wedding party when you're really not that close to a person. You should say no, right? And have you ever been in this situation where you've been asked and you're like, uh, we're not really that close for me to be uh, representing you on your biggest day? No, you cannot do that. If that if you're important enough to someone else that they want you in there, you, you have to accept. you just got to go along with it, don't you? Like, like live the yes. lie of being close friends? Yes. It's, yes. It's also not a lie. What if you end up really enjoying the company and you become lifelong friends after that? And you know what? It all falls apart eventually anyway. Everyone ends up Bingo. being family and busy and you don't can't spend time. And then just later on, you blame it on that and go, man, you know, we were so close back then. But sorry, things fell apart. Uh, it's like anything in life, Justin. It's all about putting the effort forth. You got to put the effort in. To keep those, yeah, maintain those friendships. I guess. Or just, you know, let them die. Just let them go like, okay. you know, did Jack off the, off the yeah. Titanic chunk of wood door. Okay, there. well now. Like every now, plant now I've ever to, owned. Yeah, now I have to ask you, have you ever been asked to be in a wedding party where you're like, I'm not really close to this person, but I'm going to do it anyway? No, no, I haven't. And imagine if I had, and then I talked about it here on the air, and one of my friends just seemed like, <laughs> Oh my God, that's me. There's no yeah. chance I would say anyway. So no, uh, the only time I've been at wedding parties are with my closest, bestest friends. Okay, all right. I'm glad. Uh, just say no. That's the uh, message I'm trying to uh, to give to our listeners uh, this morning. If you're not that close, just because you play in the same beer league team, short. I'm just saying. Just because you play in the same beer league team doesn't mean you're wedding party worthy. That's all I'm saying, Borny. That's all I'm saying. Your your wedding party worthy for whoever deems it. I will say, you know, like sometimes you got to get the numbers right, and you're the you know the the bride's mm-hmm. got X amount. And you're like, I don't know, I got to find someone else. All right, Russick's in. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to ask you in the first place. But at the same time, Borny, you know this. I'd be a good time. All right, um, you would. You would yeah. be a no brainer wedding invite. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a shock guy, big shock guy at a wedding. So, um, yikes. Wanted to, uh, what are you saying, yikes? You've experienced these things. Yeah, Ask I know. Matt- That's why I'm saying yikes. Yeah, Matty Rose, <laughs> after our beer league game, uh, Borny, had a couple shots and then had probably one of the best radio segments in the history the next morning where there was uh, some stuff going on there. Okay. Um, Want to ask you about uh, the Austin Matthews contract. I, I, I brought this example up to Luke Fox, and uh, it was kind of like the Larry David meme, right? You love the AAV, but you don't love the term. Is that kind of where you're at with it? Yeah, you know, it's the way sports media and sports talk goes these days. Like, you, someone has to have fleeced someone or someone. Like, it's kind, it's fine, man. You know, like it's the AAV. He's a 25-year-old Hart Trophy winner who's won two Rocket Richards. You know, he's six foot three and a, a centerman who's an elite faceoff guy. He's going to get paid. You know, there was kind of no way around that. And so, you know, the people here, the only thing I hear people really grumble about is term that, the, you know, why doesn't Matthews give them eight years the way the other team superstars give them eight years? But he's committed to be here through age 31, which will be 13 seasons. He signed with the Leafs. Like, if it doesn't work by then, I think everyone's going to be okay with moving on. So, sure. 
if maybe you'd like a longer deal, maybe you don't like that Nathan McKinnon took such an undervalued contract that it doesn't look great. But I think if the cap goes up as expected, and I do genuinely expect it to, it's going to look fine as the years go on here. What does that mean for McDavid and Dreisaitl, or does it mean anything for those guys? It means a lot. It means a lot that someone, you know, kind of pushed ahead of the top numbers. The thing that I'm like waiting for, and I'm sure other players and agents are kind of waiting for too, is like, can every new guy who should get the biggest contract in the league not be a Canadian, like anything for the team in the cup? Like why you look at all these other sports who have revenues, not that dissimilar to the NHL where the top guys are making 20, 30 million, 40, 50 million in basketball, you know, 70 million in baseball. I like, I would love to see Leon Dreisaitl say I'm worth $18 million next year or, you know, whatever. Like I would love to see the league start to push things forward to the actual market value of the the elite superstars. Yeah, I I think that's an incredible point because even in the NFL, Borny, like guys who sign, you know, the richest deals aren't necessarily the best players. It's just when they sign their contracts. Yeah, they come up at a certain time, right? Yeah, it's all about timing and leverage, and I just don't understand why uh, fans and hockey media are just so obsessed with comparables. Like, I know it's something they use to do contracts, but it's just like, oh, this player makes X number of dollars, so this player can't. Well, Nathan McKinnon was criminally underpaid for years and years and years. When Dreisaitl signed that extension, oh, what are they doing? He's not worth that much money. What an incredible risk. Like, it's hilarious to me that fans like just keep flip-flopping right. on contracts when these guys should maximize the amount of money they make when they can, and it doesn't matter what the other players are making or the comparable. It's when you sign it, the timing, and everything. Because right now, when Dreisaitl and McDavid are up, they should be the highest-paid players in the NHL, and that's it. And I don't care yeah. about comparables, and whoever else Mitch Marner could surpass, you know, Austin Matthews. If the cap goes up six million, if I'm Mitch Marner yeah. and there's more room, why wouldn't I ask for more money than Austin Matthews? Yeah, no, I listen, I'm not I have pushed back against the Marner stuff. I don't disagree with that point. Like it's it is not necessarily a pure meritocracy. Everyone signed a contract this summer and, and that's, you know, what the player is worth. So I do think with an increasing salary cap over the next few years, we should see the top-end players in the NHL salary go up significant amounts, and McKinnon's deal is going to end up looking like his last deal before long, where it's just like, how did you allow yourself to make so little money? He'll, he'll have earned you know, maybe 60% of his value over his NHL career, where he should have won, in my opinion, at least one, if not two hard trophies so far. So it is it is going to change. I understand the frustration for Leafs fans that why does it have to be our guy who understands that? But uh, yeah. whatever, that's that's the reality. I don't I don't hate it as much as I know some other people do. How do you think this is going to impact William Nylander? Well, you know, it's a. I think Willie's able to sit here and go, okay, so Matthew scored forty and he gets thirteen two five. I scored. Let me just do the forty. I swear the same as him. You know, I don't mind taking less than him. I'm not a centerman. I haven't won these trophies, whatever. But is he $4 million less than Matthews? You know, I think that's the case his agent will make. We'll just use it as sort of the benchmark for him. Like maybe he's $3 million less or 2 and a half less. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, I do believe he's $4 million less. I do believe that he is not, um, you know, there are so many things that separates what Matthews does from what Nylander does from what my expectations of them are. So, um, I think it's going to be a little bit contentious. I don't expect Nylander to sign anytime soon. 
I think there's a real possibility that Nylander, as we get closer to the season, the Leafs say, are we better off with a defenseman than Willie? And even though Willie was great in the playoffs, the, the Leafs are looking to do something different, right? So I, I hmm. think this makes things a little perilous for the, uh, the old Toronto Maple Leafs and Willie Nylander. George, you want to go where you usually like to go when we go down this road? Uh, yeah. Oh, you mean a defenseman like Noah Hannafin and Calgary <laughs> defenseman, Borny? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we have Lindholm over here in Toronto? Are you guys want to send him our way? That'd be nice. Package. Um, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. I would love for the Leafs to have Hannafin. I would. And, you know, I, I'm sure the, the Flames would love to have Willie Nylander, who at times in playoffs looked like the only guy who could cut through the neutral zone slog that teams put up against him. He was really good. So, yeah, that's an interesting name for sure. The, the Leafs' right side of their D going into this year where they have cup aspirations yet again, is John Klingberg, Timothy Lilligren, and I guess Brody, who had you know yeah. a tough playoff run. So, you know, they got to get better. <laughs> they need some help. And so if, if Hannafin is the guy, then, hey, I'm, I'm in favor, depending on what the rest of the package looks like. We've seen some deals lately, really this offseason, that I think signal to people that the cap is going to go up, whether it's Brandon Hagel getting lots of term and a pretty solid number, or it's really the two one-year deals that we saw in Toronto, Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, bet on yourself, wait for the cap to go up and see what happens after that. Do you like the fits of Domi and Bertuzzi on those one-year show-me kind of deals with the Maple Leafs, given where they are at in kind of their, I guess, cycle of trying to win the cup right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm a little nervous about going forward because, like, I like Bertuzzi. I think he's a, a great, effective player and the type of guy the Leafs can use. Um, so, yeah, one year is always like, ah, man, you know, like, I, the one thing Dubas did well in some of his, like, pick up the scraps guys is he got David Camp for two years and he got Michael Bunting for two years. And, you know, you get the second year of these guys nice and cheap. So, I, I love having them on the Leafs for the year ahead. I think the definitely guys that, you know, the, the style of guys the Leafs need. But, yeah, you, it definitely feels like one kick at the can. And if Bertuzzi is what you expect him to be, a 30-goal, grindy, scrappy-type player, someone's going to give him $7 million mm-hmm. next year, and it ain't going to be the Leafs. Well, exactly. One of the things that you like to have, especially in your forward groups, you can kind of get to your lines early on in the season is a little bit of continuity. I think about what just happened mm-hmm. with uh, Trevor... Uh, not Trevor Simeon. Who was the, the shortstop the Blue Jays had? Oh, Paul DeYoung. No, the guy before oh. that that went to the Rangers in the offseason. Oh, Marcus, oh, Marcus, Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon. He, he had a great year. Baseman. Yeah, he comes in. He has yeah. one year. He signs a one-year deal. He has a great season. He ends up getting paid. Like That's the type of thing I think about with Bertuzzi and Domi. What if they have those great years, and then they have to basically price themselves out, and you're starting all over as you have to but those re-sign those are good problems to have if you're the Leafs. 100%. They but- are... Yeah, you go ahead. Say, the flexibility then is like, you know, like a guy like Mitch Marner or Willie Nylander. Then you say, yes. okay, if we're getting 30 from Bertuzzi and the way he plays, can we then move on from one of those guys? Mm. You know, that just mm. changes your options. That's fascinating. Um, Justin Bourne, a co-host of Real Kipper and Bourne over on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. NHL on Sportsnet analyst joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. What, what's your what's your gut? What's your feels on Elias Lindholm here with the Flames? Do you think he's going to stay? I think probably. I, I do think so. You know, I, I think that you know, Daryl Sutter is out of there. That helps the comfort level for a lot of people. And, you know, there's just, what his value is on the open market is so huge. It's going to be tough for Calgary to get that kind of value back. They may end up just having to cave 
losing superstars is terrible, and the Flames have gone through it a couple of times. It's very hard. I just don't think they can. It gives Lindholm a lot of leverage, but I just don't think they can let another guy walk out the door, can they? Ooh, it definitely feels like they can't. But at the same time, when you're the Flames right now and you look at the way that everything is lining up, especially if they have a good start to the season, how are you moving out a Chris Tanev? How are you moving out a Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, and Michael Backlund? How are you moving out all four of those if you have a good start and then re-signing all four of them? Like That becomes a, a, a situation that you almost can't get yourself out of. So I really right. do wonder what is the next kind of step for this team. Like This feels like the first 20 games of the season is going to really decide the direction of this group. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's going to be a crucial time for sure. I mean, I, I just like they for years have been the team I'm worst at predicting. I cannot make sense. Every year I'm like, I love that team. And then they're terrible. And then I'm like, I give up on them. And then they're awesome. They're the strangest team in the league to me. And, yeah, there's a lot of stakes riding on their performance in that early chunk of hockey. So uh, going to be some some fascinating teams to watch in Canada this year. I, I find it hard to predict who's going to be what because every team seems to have more potential or at least some potential to be, to be decent. Is the Pacific Division the best division in hockey? Boy, that's... Uh... That's a big question that I need to have, but probably not that Atlantic and the Metro. The Metro got a lot better, right? The Metro, what did they do this offseason? The Devils got better. Carolina got better. Like Capitals and Penguins are back. That's a pretty deep division. But the Pacific is, is rallied from, what was it, four or five years of tough-to-watch hockey. And, yeah, there's, right. there's legitimate hockey teams there now. The Oilers has got to be you know, up there with the you know, cup favorites with, with anyone, I would imagine. Yeah, and you got you got the Golden Knights. The Kings are on the rise. You got to like what they did yeah, in the offseason. Yeah, Seattle's a team on the rise. Like Calgary's yeah, guess, a man. wild card team. Like it's tough, Borny. I guess what hurts with the Flames is like you know even if they are good and things go well, you're right. Like it's it, things their timing is bad. You wanted them to be better when that league was a disaster. That division was a disaster because yeah around them all of a sudden everyone else is better too and that's just as important in the question with you know where is your team at where are the teams around you at is there a bigger wild card team than the Calgary Flames just understanding the potential that a lot of these players have plus coming off just a career terrible season for them plus all the change in the front office like i just think that this is going to be the hardest team to predict in the NHL yeah, they're certainly among them. You know, there's a handful of teams, and a couple of them I follow closely. Like, I don't know what to expect from the New York Islanders. Are they good? I have no idea. Hmm. Literally no idea. They could be 80 right. points or 100 points, and I believe it. This Leafs team seems to have a pretty good range. But you know, even that, even Seattle's a team of the range. But, no, Calgary is, is definitely among the handful of teams where you're like, if they end up winning the division or finishing near the bottom of it, it's it's definitely there for them, particularly with a new coach, right? So, um, yeah, uh, I think when you're doing Sports Talk Radio, fellas, that's a pretty good position to be in. Yeah, it is. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of uncertainty uh, with the Calgary Flames. Wanted to ask you about the Oilers goaltending. If you're an Oilers fan three hours north of the, uh, of the beautiful city of Calgary, how confident are you that maybe Jack Campbell can bounce back and Stuart Skinner repeat his performance? Because in the playoffs, no bueno for that guy. Uh, how confident are you if you're an Oilers fan in the goaltending, Borny, or should you be at all? Yeah, I, you know, I think what I like for them is, like, you have two guys that have a crack at finding themselves again. Like, you've seen both guys have great runs of hockey, 
And if you have two healthy goalies who have both had periods of their career where they've shown they can really play, surely one of them will, you know, that's kind of, the Leafs had lived on that with Samsonov and Murray, and they got some pretty good Samsonov goaltending in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think if you got two guys you kind of believe in, you, you're likely to be okay. But, you know, either one on their own, am I confident in Jack Campbell this year? Am I confident in Skinner? Not sure about either one. But you like the chances because they have a couple of them, that one of them will give them league average or better goaltending. Can the Oilers improve on that power play this year? Because it's going to be pretty damn hard. I just don't see how. Like, there's a point where, like, you just reach a critical mass. You can't – what, did they score 30% of their power plays last year? Yeah. Yeah. Like, 30, 33%. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like, by the time you have a goalie makes a couple of saves here or there, or you're having an off night or whatever, like, I just don't know if you can score more than 30%. So, if they do manage to get up in that echelon or beat it, it's going to be by a percent or two because that was as ruthless a unit as we've seen in, in NHL history last year. Justin, what are some of the numbers, analytics, things that you like to look for when a player changes teams and you're going to try to predict how his new team is going to fit him? Do you like to look at line mates? Are there numbers that you like to look at from past seasons? What is kind of what you like to use for predicting a a new home for a player? I think opportunity is the biggest thing. You know, a lot of these guys, it's just like, can they get the chance to show what they can be and what they can do? And so when you're looking at how they're going to perform in a new place, it's where do they slot in? Who are they going to play with? What power play unit are they going to be on? Do they get, you know, shorthanded time? You just run through some of that. You know, you can look at the coach and say, okay, does he tend to like guys like that? And then, uh, you know, I, I do think it's useful to look at some, uh, you know, I think they call them wowie numbers, with or without you numbers, which are basically like, how have they performed when they're away from superstars? So M- Michael Bunting, when he's with Matthews and Marner, his numbers are X. How are they when he's without them? And, right. you know, he's not as good, not as effective. And I think you can assess what a guy is going to be like if he's going to have X opportunity at a new team and how it looked at when he had that opportunity with his old team. How long do you think it takes for a coach or to understand what a coach likes to do? Like a first-year coach, like Ryan Huska, for example. Mm-hmm. How long until you feel like you've kind of picked up on his tendencies and really how long until he can kind of instill them in a team? Well, it's an interesting question. I think part of it is listening to the guy and not just watching the game. Like, you know, often these days, guys will tell you what they want to do and it's it's useful to take them at their word, I find, with a lot of that, but... Until you get through half a season, I think you don't really, you haven't seen all the scenarios and how they react, and they don't exactly know how their players are playing yet this year. And so, kind of in the early going, it reminds me of the first game of the first couple games of the golf season where you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to aim straight and swing. You know, that'll be Huska, I think, in the early going. Just put the guys over the boards and see how it goes and start to make your adjustments as you get, get into things a month or two. Uh, morning, before I let you go, um, we know the uh, the divorce between the Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas. Maybe not the cleanest uh, break. Uh, a lot of messiness, a lot of drama tied into that. Are a lot of Leaf fans going to be hate-watching the Pittsburgh Penguins this season? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. The Penguins are the Penguins are a team now. That That is a must-discuss team for us here in Toronto Radio, um, you know, to, to follow along with. Old Dubas, who, you know, m- many thought he was the, you know, the hero here and a genius and people, others think he's a moron. So, uh, yep, 
Uh, a lot will be decided on how the Pittsburgh Penguins do, and Real Kipper and Bourne will be discussing the Pittsburgh mm. Penguins quite a bit this year, I'm sure. Are they a playoff team? Yeah, I think so. I mean, God, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, how fun is that going to be? they got to win some hockey games, don't they? Yeah, well, it didn't work with uh, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. That's true. That's true. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Carlson has seemed to thrive as, like, the guy on a bad team. So uh, wait and see, I suppose. Uh, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but this is from years and years ago. Borny was the most exciting free agency tandem that never worked out was when Solani and Korea went to Colorado. <laughs> yes, Hunter, that's a great call. I remember being so excited about that. Yeah, I loved like, both those guys. The abs yeah. were so good, and it just didn't work for whatever yeah. reason. So it's uh, it's possible. We shall see if the, if maybe Carlson will have learned his lesson and how to share the ball a little bit now that he's got another star back there with him. Absolutely. Uh, Justin Bourne, always a pleasure, pal. And I appreciate how nice you are saying yes to any sort of uh, invite to be in a wedding party. Thanks for this, pal. Unless you ask, George, I'm not going to be in your wedding party now. It's, we're too open. It's too out there. But but Justin, like we've worked together, we've done shows. We're just not that close. Like I, I like you're an acquaintance. Uh, you're a good guy. We've you know we have mutual friends, but we're not that close. So I wouldn't ask you. Nor would I feel comfortable with you asking me. All right. Well, I'm glad we've got this aired out. There. Yeah. I'd, All right. I'd say yes, right. Justin. Just in we'll, case you're we'll wondering. We'll see you, acquaintance. We'll we'll talk again soon. Thanks for this. All right. Later, guys. All right, there he goes on the Atlas Speeds and Sports Bar against Hotline. See? What do you mean, see? He proved my point for me. Yeah, I know. He's he's too nice like you are. You I'm not to too nice. I, like I said earlier, I am the right amount of nice. Okay. Maybe you just aren't nice enough. Well, or maybe I'm just too... See, that's what I don't like when people, you know, confuse the truth with being not nice. I don't... I don't... You know, I like, you, you, know, I like what to do tell you mean? the truth. <laughs> What do you mean? Some people, okay, some people just don't like to hear the truth sometimes. And uh-huh. then that makes you sound like a dick. And sometimes I tell the truth too much, which is fine. That's just who I am. But That's all. your truth might be different from someone else's truth. It's it's not a, you're, I, I you're implying it. like this is a hard and fast statement. Like I get it. I'm just saying. All right, let's move on. I would have gone. I would have gone. Top text. Great text. Should read it later. Just saying. What is it? What? Had a guy in my engineering program at U of A who asked me to be in his wedding party 15 years ago. Typical engineer. He was quiet, reserved, awkward. We'd worked on a few projects together. You could tell he had trouble making friends. I felt bad he didn't have enough friends to fill three groomsmen, so I did it. He turned out to be one of the nicest humans I've ever known, and I absolutely tore up the wedding. Had the bridesmaids doing shots all day. Had the groomsmen carry him on a chair around reception. I even danced with his grandma a few times. One of the best times I've had, and it meant the world to him and his family. We still touch base monthly. Being kind goes a long way. It was the right amount of nice. See? That's really, that's heartwarming. Yeah. Thank you, Chris in Calgary. Shout outs, Chris. Had a B. Way to really play the part. Chris, maybe you should have gone into acting instead of engineering, because you definitely acted your way to being, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's nice, Chris. What's to say he didn't just enjoy himself, too? He probably did. He probably really did. Sounds like he had a great time. Or he's a great actor. All right. Uh, oh we got to get to John Morosi. I can't do this. we got to get to John Morosi. We'll do that next. This is the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.